Welcome to another episode of Practically Theologians. This is Josh. Well, today I'm just driving to feed the pigs, and I wanted to put this episode out there. Uh, kind of as a way to give you all a an idea of what goes through the head of somebody who holds to a minority position in the, in the church, apparently, today. Um, which is whether or not we should have pictures of Jesus. But before I get into that, I'd like to say... Andrew and I really do want to record some more podcasts. We are going to work on that. I dropped the ball and for doing this in November. So hopefully we can schedule times every couple months to get together to record some podcasts. And when we get together next time, we're hoping to talk about the warning passages in the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> okay, so this is just going to be a quick podcast while I'm driving out to feed the pigs. Um pardon any road noise. I'm driving in my truck. It's a snowy day. The roads are plowed, but snow covered, so it's bumpy. So there's a lot of a lot of noises going on in my truck. I'm not sure if you can hear it. And I'll try to edit them out, but I can only do what I can do, obviously. So, so my position is that we ought not to have any pictures of God, including Jesus, any in anywhere including privately or in public worship as Christians. This is a, I believe this is a pretty, it seems to me that this is pretty much a minority view nowadays. It used to be more common among Reformed and Presbyterian types, but um, it's. it seems like it's maybe 50-50 now. So I thought I'd just put it out there for some, some of you to think about. It's... It's, it's, this is a, it's, well, I don't know how, I know that there was a discussion in the 700s at the Second Council of Nicaea where the Roman Catholic Church officially adopted the position that images should be used in worship, and there was a group opposing this called the Iconoclasts, so it's been a, this topic, this issue has been discussed for quite some time in the church. Of course, the Protestant reformers coming out of the Reformed side, not the Lutheran side, rejected the use of images in the church. The Lutherans maintained the use of images in the church. But uh, anyway, but today it seems like uh, generally the church has slid away from the Reformed Presbyterian position and closer to the Roman Catholic Lutheran position, both on this, but it's also connected to their view of worship. There's what's called the normative principle of worship, which is the Lutheran view of worship. Well, the Lutheran stream is where this comes from. And it says that we can do whatever... Basically, you can do whatever you want in worship as long as God hasn't forbidden it. So this opens up worship to all sorts of fun practices, like whatever whatever you want. Juggling acts, solos, anything. Dance, whatever you want. As long as God hasn't forbidden it. On the other side is a regulative principle, and this is the this is where the Presbyterians and the Reformed uh, uh, this this is how they came out of the Reformation practicing in their churches is that the church should only uh, do in public worship what God has commanded them to do. In other words, God has not said to have dance in public worship; therefore, do not have dance in public worship. <clears throat> They do not say dance is inherently sinful in and of itself, but 
it's not an element of public worship, and so, therefore, to introduce it into public worship would be a violation of what God desires us to do in worship and would be sinful. Hopefully you can get that. Uh, I, I hope I explained it well enough. And you can read the Westminster Catechisms and Confession, as well as the Three Forms of Unity on the Reform side, to see uh, what they say about worship. And this is uh, really, a lot of it is connected to the Second Commandment, which is the main commandment I'm going to be referring to today in discussing pictures of Jesus. So that's how it all connects. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, we're... <laughs> So, okay, so this topic comes up around Christmas time, usually in my mind. I've, I've been thinking about it for quite a while, and I've done some reading on it, and thinking and reading and thinking. It comes up every year during Christmas because of, of course, nativity scenes, which Christians more, it, it seems like the more the world pushes against Christians, the more Christians love stuff like nativity scenes. But they don't necessarily get pushed toward loving the right worship of God as much as they get pushed toward loving introducing new stuff into the to the uh, church, like practicing Lent or Advent. You know, these things weren't practiced when I was younger in, broadly speaking, evangelical, uh, like Presbyterian and Reformed churches. They just didn't do it. But as the church want, wants to more and more... Uh, do special things to separate itself from the world, it seems like this is what they choose to do, rather than choosing to emphasize how special it is each Lord's Day to come to worship God, to hear His Word preached, and specifically the Word of the Gospel of Christ preached. Preaching without the Gospel is no preaching at all, in my opinion. If you read through the New Testament, look at every time it refers to preaching. It's always it doesn't explicitly mention it every time, but I believe it. Every every time that preaching is mentioned, it is implicitly or explicitly tied to the gospel and the preaching of, of Jesus Christ, his, his whole work, incarnation, everything. So, the preaching, the sacraments, which are tied to the gospel, so the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and discipline in the church, which implies uh, church membership, elders, uh, deacons, etc. And those are the three things, the three marks of the church in the New Testament, in the scriptures that give us uh, that give us a structure for how worship is to proceed. And in that structure, we also see that we have things like singing, we have things like taking up a collection, etc. We have all these things are part of the public worship of God. So where I'm going with this is that nowhere in God's Word ever is anyone ever instructed to introduce pictures of God or of Jesus into anything in their life, including and especially public worship. The second commandment expressly forbids the making of any image whatsoever for worship. Um, later in the Old Testament, like in Deuteronomy 4, we see that God expressly forbids any creation of himself in any representative, any, any creation physically that represents God. God is not to be represented by the work of man's hands, by the work of man's imagination. <clears throat> this is clear throughout the Old Testament. And 
Wow, I almost just hit some quail, but I, I managed to avoid them. <laughs> and we see that uh, God says in Deuteronomy 4, in, in, of, he says not to make an image of any man. Okay, so I guess that Jesus is not any man. I'm just saying. We're not to make God in any way, in any form. God did not abrogate this command in the New Testament. No, he showed us what the fulfillment of this is in bringing Christ into the world, right? In the incarnation. So we see that the reason why man is not to create God by his own hands, <clears throat> not the reason why, but the only authorized maker of God's image, of the image of God that we can behold with our physical eyes, is God himself who even took Joseph out of the picture at the Incarnation. So if you read the Second Commandment, especially if we think about literally graven images of the little baby Jesus in a nativity scene, scene it, it seems difficult to get around that God has forbidden that. But secondly, there are theological reasons that we shouldn't have pictures of Jesus or, or the baby Jesus in a nativity scene or whatever. And it's kind of, uh, if you think about what the New Testament says about the appearing of Christ. Now listen, it's clear we are to walk by faith and not by sight. That God has given us preaching and not pictures to, to display Christ before us, publicly portrayed as crucified before our eyes through preaching. So if you read Galatians 3.1, that's where I got that. God has not given us pictures as he's never hinted that pictures are to be used. To, to remind us of Christ or anything like that. He's given us preaching and the sacraments. When God has given something to us and he's not given us something else, it seems to me wise to treasure what God has given us, to improve upon what God has given us in terms of paying close attention to it and loving it and dutifully attending to it. And it seems wise not to look for other ways that are better than what God has given us. <clears throat> so God has also given us a promise. Jesus is going to return. Throughout the New Testament, it's clear we're to look forward to Christ's appearing. And, for example, 1 John 3, 2, we see that our beholding him will do something to us. It says in 1 John 3, 2 that when we see him, we will be as he is. Christ's appearing will be a transformative thing. When people behold him, things change. But he will transform us to be like he is, on the one hand. And on the other hand, he will bring to nothing, by the brightness of his appearing, the lawless one. Second Thessalonians, I believe. Anyway, so the physical appearance of Christ himself is a significant thing for us to see. It's going to transform us. So, so let me use an illustration here that I got from somebody else. I forget where. Suppose I'm going to go away on a long trip. That's gonna. Let's say I'm in the military. I'm gonna be gone for a year, and I find a picture of a beautiful woman, the the woman that I believe idealizes what my wife should be. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? And I take it with me on deployment. And people question that. They say, what the heck are you doing? Why are you looking at that picture that's not of your wife when you're married and you say you want to be faithful to your wife? That doesn't make any sense. And you say to them, 
Ah, but this picture reminds me of my wife. So it's good to have this picture. We can see on the face of that, it's a ridiculous proposition. Uh, they're having a picture of that woman that is not your wife and using it to remind yourself of your wife actually drives you away from your wife. Well, the same could be said of any picture of Jesus. We have no pictures that we can create that are actually of Jesus. And in fact, uh, the Bible suggests that because Jesus is glorified, there is no way we could ever capture what Jesus looks like in a picture. That's what's so special about his appearance, his physical appearance, and that's what's so special about our hope. We live by faith much as Israel did. We don't have sight, and we're not to make sight much as Israel was not to. We are to take what God has given us and to use it for worship. Israel was given much more sight by God than we are given sight. We have the sacraments of baptism in the Lord's Supper, and we have a preacher that physically stands in front of us, and we have the congregation. That's all sight, but the rest is by faith. The heavenly stuff that was whether well, were that was foreshadowed by the tabernacle, by the Ark of the Covenant, by the beautiful decorations in the temple, all those things, the sacrificial system, all those things are now done away with. For Israel, that was sight, and by faith. They anticipated the coming of the Messiah. For us, the, com the coming Messiah has come. We don't anticipate that anymore. We know it has happened. And so what we have by sight remind us of the hope of his return, his body and his blood and the waters of baptism. Anyway, so I think it's not only sinful to have pictures of Jesus, but it's also damaging to that, that hope we are to have in as we anticipate his very the the phys physically seeing him with our very eyes, and consider this: even the saints that go before do not see him with their physical eyes until the resurrection. That's an interesting little thought, isn't it? When we are raised up, that's when we will see him with our physical eyes. Until then, we are with him in spirit, but are not our body. So, just an interesting thing to note. Um, also, there's one other little note. It's very important to consider. Now, one of the, well, there aren't really any good objections to this, what I'm putting forward. There are just excuses, like pictures remind us of Jesus. Pictures can be used. We don't worship pictures, so it's okay to have pictures. And pictures are good because they can be used to teach us something. Well, the first argument's silly. God doesn't say, don't make any images of me that you worship, he says, don't make any images of me. Yeah, period. Okay, so the first thing is just silly, but the second one that it can be used to teach us, I'd like to use that against uh, my friends, my brothers. And this is, uh, I'm, 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 very, I'm very firm on my position, of course. Why wouldn't I be? It's, it's actually a position that I hold much more strongly than anything like something like baptism or eschatology. Sorry, I said anything. I meant something like. So I do, I do feel very strongly about this, and this would cause me to not attend a church for worship. If they use pictures in worship, I just can't, I can't be a member there. Um, but I understand where people come from. We're always battling idolatry and... So don't think of this as an attack upon you personally, but do consider what God's word says. You should bow to Christ, not to somebody like me. And if you want to have a conversation, don't do it with me. Do it with somebody you can see with your eyes and talk to. Have a real conversation. 
I'm just putting this out there as a minority viewpoint and it's something new for you. Uh, if you want to consider it, go ahead. If you don't, that's fine too. But all that to say, I'm going to use this position against you, this position of, oh, we can use pictures to teach us about Jesus. Because what do pictures teach us about Jesus then? Well, they teach us that we can create something of a physical appearance of Jesus that doesn't contain within it the divine nature. Yeah, that's right. Christians that say we can have pictures of Jesus say, well, we're not trying to make a picture of God in his divinity. He became incarnate, so therefore he made it, uh, he authorized it basically that we can make pictures of him in his humanity. Well, this, my friends, is Nestorianism. You're teaching your children and yourself that Jesus can be pictured as a human separate from his divine nature. So you're saying that the Son of God can be split up into two. One human, one divine. That is separating the two natures of the Son of God from each other in the one person, therefore creating two persons. And this is the heresy of Nestorianism. Now listen. You guys might just dismiss what I'm saying, but I don't know how it's not true. Don't just dismiss this. Think about it. And don't become legalistic about it or anything like that. But consider what it's doing to the way you think of your Lord and Savior who is in heaven now, physically located somewhere, reigning and ruling, until that time when, when by his very appearance he will transform us as we see him. 1 John 3, 2. Consider that. Consider what the second commandment means. Look into what uh, what God says about creating images of himself. Deuteronomy 4 is a good passage for that. Consider these things. Treat what God has given us for worship as the things that we should do to, do, diligently attend to in worship. Preaching in the sacraments, fellowship, singing, a church with elders, etc. Discipline. Dutifully attend to those things God has given us. And then... Be happy with those. You should be overjoyed that God has given you those things. You should not be looking to add new things. Things Here, I can give you a list of examples, but first of all, statues of Jesus or pictures of Jesus or the saints. I'm, I'm not a Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or even a Lutheran for a reason. I believe that that takes away from the grandness of the gospel preached, of the sacraments administered, of the fellowship and singing, etc., I think that God has given us great things for coming to him in worship and that we don't need to add new things. We don't need more exciting things. We don't need the smells and bells of the Roman Catholic Mass. We don't need the smells and bells, bells of the Lutheran liturgy. We don't need the candles. We don't need the processions. We don't need a church calendar. He's given us a day, the Lord's Day, upon which to worship him. We don't need special days of celebration. We don't need those things. We should treasure... We should treasure so much the things God has authorized that we don't even think about adding things God hasn't authorized. Anyway, that's my story. I'm going to stick to it, even if people uh, don't like it. So, <laughs> And by the way, I'm a minority position guy. So I'm, I'm dealing with situations where people that go to my church disagree with me. I, I am on the confessional and biblical side of the issue. They are not. And yet, it's one of those things where I just have to be like, okay, I'll just try to be gracious about it. And um, I'll keep trying to reform uh, people, of course. I mean, 
including myself, by the way, to Scripture, to what Scripture says. Hey, if someday I decide that Scripture says pictures of Jesus are actually authorized and biblical, I'll tell you about it. But I don't see that happening. Uh, anyway, that's all I got. I, I don't want to go on too much of a diatribe because I really don't want to make this an issue where it's a battle of um, where people are just battling to win. I do think it's a grave and important issue. I think that when a church introduces something like a picture or a statue of Jesus into worship, that it's such a violation of the second commandment, I could not attend worship uh, if I were a member there. However, that being the case, I did attend a Lutheran, conservative Lutheran church when I was in seminary uh, every other week because it was the only church in town that preached the gospel. It really did did have solid preaching and uh and the worship was reverent and they had a big old statue of jesus up up behind the what do they call the altar or something like that and i just we just tried not to look at it and they're of course stained glass windows they're the whole works it was super impressive yeah super distracting too uh, but i was in a context where i i came into their way of thinking about worship i'm not gonna push back on that that's just unkind and unwise but if you're in a context and you're a church member, which I wasn't at the Lutheran church, and which I could never be at the Lutheran church, I don't even, I couldn't even take the Lord's or communion there because I don't believe in their view of what communion, what happens at communion. But I was able to worship there because I, that's just the place where I went. But if I were a member, I couldn't be a member there. But if I were a member of a church that said that they don't, they, they don't, that managers are not authorized, then I would have to, I would have to disagree and work to reform the church back to what it says it believes in, because a church that practices stuff that it says it doesn't believe in, and that won't reform according to what it, you know, it holds to something. A confessional church is supposed to hold to something, and if it doesn't hold to that, then it's an unfaithful church. If they don't want to hold to it, they should have a discussion and just abandon it. But if they hold to something, those elders have a responsibility to the church to guard the flock against error and against newfangled inventions of man, because historically that has always caused harm to God's people, and that will always cause harm to God's people according to God's word. Anyway, now I'm getting off on a bit of a rant, and I'm going to quit because I just shouldn't do that. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to feed some pigs. <clears throat> Looking forward to having Andrew along for the ride. He's so it's The podcast is always better with him. Uh, enjoy your time during the holidays, visiting with family and friends. And, uh, yep, and, uh, and uh, so on and so forth. Peace out. Adios. Uh, bye.